0: Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 122. We are joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we had been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, filling in for my normal co-host, the one and only John White, at vJourneyman. We are pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor-neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Last week, we got to meet Brianna Blaset and we talked about her life as a writer And a little bit about the journey from generalist writer to specialist writer, or at least writer within the realm of science and technology. We also talked about what it really takes to write a book, the sweat equity that goes into doing that, and maybe some ways to evaluate whether you should do it and follow in the footsteps. So this week, Brianna's going to give us some advice on how we might be able to build a body of work through writing. How do you decide what to write about? How do you know how long the content should be? When to post and how to measure it even. Also, she's gonna share how we can use storytelling in the interview process. After all, this is the time to be able to tell your own story in a way that highlights why you are the best candidate for the job and Brianna has some great tips for us there because she helps people tell their stories consistently throughout her day job. So let's get to it, part two and the conclusion of our discussion with Brianna Blase.
1: Ask a question, do we need a story about X? Do competitive research. Is there already 5,000 stories about X? If so, maybe move on to something else. If your story's been told, unless you can tell a story in a way that it's never been told, make sure no one's written that story before.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Now, if I'm someone, let's say, you know, I want to get better at writing. I want to put myself out there. As you mentioned earlier, you had written articles and people later came to you. I think what we find in the tech industry is people get started with a blog and they yeah. write about technical things or soft skills or career-focused things, and they get known for that proof of work.
1: You mm-hmm. know, a guest
0: I had on in some of the previous episodes, David Klee, t- is, he's talked about how he launched his own company with LinkedIn, Twitter, and blogs. Oh, and yeah. People could go look at his blog and see that he was exactly as skilled as he said he was. So if I'm someone who wants to make a blog as, like, proof of work... And you mentioned it's hard to to retell the same story. How do I decide what to write about?
1: Yeah, I mean, things that you write, you could think of them as a product, just like you could kind of think of yourself as a product. I mean, that sounds crazy. But if you're a subject matter expert, you're selling yourself, you're selling your subject matter expertise. So you need to look at the market and the competition, right? Now, the cool thing is that like when I first got started, like I said, I had to pay my dues. I had to write all the crappy stories that no senior editor wanted to write because they were boring and stupid and small. So I had to work my way up because there were editors at the top who said what I could write and what I couldn't write. Those of you out there who are looking to start your career have a fabulous opportunity I had to work my way up through and even when I worked at a magazine there was a whole there are many many layers of editors that my pieces would have to go through in order to make it to press and by the way those people all changed my stuff so by by the time it finally made it to press it had zero like it had none of me left into it left in it but now with the democratization of media everybody has the opportunity to tell their story directly to the world with no intermediary and no editor. You can get on LinkedIn. I don't know if you know this, but besides just writing posts, you can publish articles on LinkedIn. Like on my LinkedIn, I probably have 20 different blogs and articles that I attach it because if you're a writer, again, your product is pieces of writing. People want to see writing samples. You can get on Twitter and start telling stories in little chunks. You can get on Reddit and in a forum um, that you're interested in the topic and and start writing short pieces and gaining a following. Um, so there are many, many ways that you can get started, like immediately, or you might want to tell your story through video or audio, do a podcast. Getting noticed is a different story, but as far as being able to tell a story, the world is your oyster.
0: And it doesn't have to be a long story, right? There's no reason that it says it has to be 5,000 words when I'm out of the gate.
1: Well, especially not now.
0: Is there a recommended sweet spot length if I want to get content out there?
1: Depends on the context. This is like my answer to everything, right? It depends on the context. The consultant's answer, yes. Yeah, but it's not, though, really. It sounds like it. But the truth of the matter is, are you going to write a white paper? Because if you are, that has a very, very specific academic-like audience, and those things are long. But if you're writing for social media or any kind of media these days, Um, the millennial generation has been raised with short form content. Um, so video is a perfect example. You hear a lot of like, people don't want to read documentation, make a video. So, you know, a five minute video might be all that people want. They want to digest information and in little bits and pieces. Um, but sometimes you have a longer story to tell But there are ways to make it look like short form content with lots of subheads and bullets, things like that. It always depends on context. You know, you can be a great storyteller on Twitter in 280 characters. And by the way, you can become an amazing, very well recognized subject matter expert on Twitter in 280 characters. I could introduce you to a few. Truly. So it depends on what you want to do, the context, where you're going with it, your subject matter, and a whole lot of other things.
0: Is there any any advice on how frequently someone should post their writings if they if they want to get their name out there?
1: Um, I would say that consistency is key. Um, like you, I I podcast outside of work. And the thing that I learned right out of the gate is that the number one determinant of podcast success is releasing on the same in the same cadence. If it's a weekly podcast on Mondays, it better come out every week on Monday or your audience loses interest. If it's a monthly podcast, etc. So I would say that being predictable and um, having a predictable cadence is what's very, very important. <clears throat> now, the other thing is about um a world of short form content and social media. I mean, when we talk about social media, this is a world of a news feed, right? Things scroll scroll by you very, very quickly. You blink and it's gone. So in a in a world of Instagram stories, you better post all the time because your stuff is gone in a heartbeat, right? Your your Instagram story that goes live today is gone tomorrow. It's not there. So you better post several times a day. And Twitter is similar. It's a really big, quick news feed. So you got to post a lot. But if it's for a publication or it's a podcast, be predictable and come out on a cadence. Always look at what everyone else is doing. Always look at what your competition is doing. If you're a subject matter expert, if you're a writer, whatever it is, go study your competitors and then do it better.
0: It's so funny thinking of other people as competitors. But I mean, that really is true. You know, if you were applying for a job, they would be your competitors to get that role.
1: Well, and how about this? You're competing for information. I mean, excuse me, you're competing for attention. Because there's so much information out there. There's only so much information you can digest. There's only so much time you have in a day to digest information. So you're competing for the attention span of your reader, your viewer, your listener. It's always about competition. And if you want to be a writer, man, it is all about competition constantly. These are coveted jobs. So you got to be better, stronger, faster, bigger, cooler, and funnier. A lot of times. Of course, that's where I excel the funnier category <laughs> in my own mind.
0: Well, hey, use of humor is something that's memorable. The things we've been talking about, about telling stories, sharing information in story form reminds me of Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath, one of the ways people learn. It helps helps them retain information. Humor is certainly yeah. one of those. That's yeah. That's what I was thinking of incorporating those into your writings to make it a little bit different call it eclectic i guess from from the rest of the of those who might be publishing things It, it seems like it shows your personality
1: exactly no i was just gonna back that up and say like at work um i have to give presentations now um they make me it's terrible but i run around and um i give presentations both on storytelling and on thought leadership and because I'm not a very corporate person, I don't, that's not the world that I come from. I haven't, you know, always worked in high tech or in big companies. Uh, I don't tell those stories the same way as other people. I don't write like a, a bunch of PowerPoint slides and then go in and read them. I come in and I put memes on the screen and then I talk while my memes up and people remember because I've made them laugh and then I've anchored that laughter to my topic. So yeah, it's part of it. Or as someone very non-famous said once, if you can't be pretty, be smart. And if you can't be smart, be funny. I just made that up.
0: Go ahead and one more time, paint a very clear picture for us of the difference between writing and storytelling. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but I want to make sure that listeners really understand the difference.
1: Here's the thing. Storytelling is the... Original human form of communication. I mean, back in caveman days, they told stories to explain what was happening in the world, like the Greek mythologers. Is that the right word? Mythologers? Those who wrote the Greek myths. They didn't know, for example, what volcanoes were or why there was magma coming out of the earth. So they made up stories about it they made up stories about heaven and hell hades and zeus and they said wow the earth is erupting fire and magma someone's really mad down there <laughs> so stories can be analogies but as an as a human person now what are the first things you remember the stories your parents read to you when you went to bed hopefully your parents read you stories and if you're a parent please read your children's stories those are the ways that we learn is through stories because stories evoke pictures, stories evoke um, sensory perception. Here's, here's what I say in my storytelling presentations at work. I say, um, you know, I got a kid, his name's Dylan, that part's real. If I said, Dylan, do not go into the woods behind the house because there are wolves and wolves are very dangerous. And they will hurt you. That wolf will eat you. He might go, yeah, mom, whatever, whatever. And go back in in the back. He'll forget all about it. But if I say, kid, let me tell you a story. There was this little girl who I knew. Some people like to call her Little Red Riding Hood. They just did that for short because she had a strong sense of fashion. Okay. She liked this red cape. She wore it every day. So they called her Little Red Riding Hood. And she had a really great skill. And that was baking cookies. And she had a grandma who she loved so much. So one day she baked the best batch of chocolate chip cookies ever. Everyone in the neighborhood could smell it. They were so delicious. And you could tell just from the smell wafting out of the house. And her mom, she begged her mom. She said, Grandma's sick. Please, please, please. Can I take these cookies to her? I know they'll help Grandma feel better. So off she went into the woods, skipping and swinging her her basket of delectable goodies with her. And it was a warm, beautiful day, and the sun was shining through the trees, and she couldn't be happier. She was whistling a tune. And then all of a sudden, this huge shadow came into her path and stopped her dead cold. And it was a wolf. And, you know, there's a really big difference. You, evoke, First of all, I've got a protagonist, right? You know, there's a girl. You can relate to this girl because... You like cookies. Who doesn't like a cookie? You've smelled cookies. So you can remember that smell. You probably have a grandma or someone else that you love and you wanted to please them. So you identify with this protagonist. The wolf comes in. Man, he messes up her game, okay? Ruins the day. Ruins it for grandma. And you care because you care about Little Red Riding Hood. That's the difference between telling information and telling a story. Pretty much drives it home, right?
0: Yeah. Her actual name is Red, right?
1: Red. <laughs> Writing is her middle name. Yeah. <laughs> and she's from the hood. <laughs> she is from the hood.
0: <laughs> A little different one than we might uh, yeah. classify as the hood. How can you incorporate that storytelling methodology into the interview process? because I have to imagine it, it needs to come out there if we are really to help advocate for ourselves when going for that next job. I mean, you need the writing skills and the storytelling skills on the resume to some extent, because you want to be able to write and highlight the things you've done so that it fits the job roles and requirements that are stated, you know, by the posting. But then you need to be able mm-hmm. to speak to those in the interview. Any thoughts on that?
1: Here's the biggest interview question they always ask you. How did you get started? Walk me through your career. Walk me through it.
0: They've been listening to this podcast.
1: Walk me through the story of your career, will you? But there's a great way to disarm people, and that is instead of walking them through your resume, tell them a story from your career. Remember that story I told you about Paige Stegner and the river rafting Mm -hmm. trip and the tiny slice of blue sky and going through those towering red canyons? If I if you ask me why did you want to be a writer and I tell you that story you probably will remember me more than if I just say yeah you know I always admired writers and so I went to journalism school and decided that this was the path for me um the 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 person you you want to identify with your protagonist hopefully in your story the protagonist is you But maybe it's not. Maybe it's someone you tried to help. You know, maybe you want to be a physician. You might tell the story of someone you know who was sick. And you might tell, you might recount the story of a physician you know who saved their lives. Those stories have protagonists and they evoke emotion. So they anchor the memory of you along with that story. So I would say take a story from your life. Make it up if you have to. I've done this before to illustrate the power of storytelling. I worked for a company that made collaboration software, which yawn sounds very boring, right? A little. But I made up a story to show the, the power of storytelling. And I said, listen, I knew this woman and she had a baby and she loved her baby so much but she loved her career so much too but she was terrified because she knew that if she took off four months for maternity leave someone else at work might get the promotion that she wanted and then i told a story about how Her company invested in this collaboration solution that allowed her to still participate just as though she was in the very boardroom with everyone else, that she could see them, they could collaborate in real time, she could draw on the whiteboard just like she was if she was in that room. And it was the same experience as though they were together in person. And as a result, she didn't have to trade off motherhood for her career. She was able to have both. And it was all thanks to the power of this amazing collaboration solution. Now, that was a lie. But when I told that story, (laughs) the lie was I wasn't selling it. I was trying to illustrate the power of story. (laughs) And it worked because people were like, wow, that was so cool. I'm so glad she didn't have to choose between motherhood and a career. I'm so glad technology allowed her to have both. And they cared. (laughs) Like, that protagonist, because we've all been at a disadvantage. We've all thought about having to make trade-offs. These are real human problems. Stories can bridge those gaps. Use those stories when you tell your story about why you should get that job. You know, find that story about yourself. You have one to tell.
0: Right. And I think we maybe don't do a good enough job of really thinking about what stories we should be telling other people about what we do, what we've done, what we've been through that makes us a good fit for something. To your point, some experience yeah. we've, we've been through, uh, for example, we had a previous guest who uh, it was Paul Green, I think. He talked about hiring people from the military and how that perspective really helped those folks be extremely successful in technology, software development type fields. But it was that previous experience that they had, the stories they were able to tell about what they did there and what they learned from it that took them to some greater heights later.
1: Yeah. It might not be your story. Like, um, I'm going to be doing a a brown bag workshop about storytelling for um, a field sales group at work uh, next month. And one of the things I want to talk to them about is telling customer stories. Um, you go to a customer and they have a problem and you tell them a story about another customer, again, a real human with a real problem and explain how you, how you solved it. That's a lot more powerful than just saying, hey, our software is going to solve your problem. Well, no, like my software solved a problem for Nick. <laughs> Nick had a real human problem. You know, he needed to impress his boss and he needed to make some stuff happen and he needed to make it happen fast. And I helped him find a solution for that problem. Suddenly the sale goes way better. There's not one context that you can think of except being in a library where you're supposed to be really, really quiet or in a movie theater that telling a story will not assist you. Okay, I could just think of five other scenarios where that was not true. Like, if you start telling your story to a cashier in the supermarket and there's a big line, you're not going to be popular either. But most of the time, a story will Or with you. 30
0: seconds left on that conference call.
1: Yeah. you have to do it fast. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> there's a market for very short stories. It's called Twitter.
0: There you go. Companies, you see it in advertising quite a bit. They want that connection with people to build the brand awareness so that you buy the service, buy the product, whatever it is. I mean, it could be an insurance company, a car company, a particular food item, clothing. You could run the gambit, but more and more of the marketing campaigns, I think, and maybe I just didn't notice this 10, 15 years ago as much. It's... It's storytelling at its finest.
1: Yeah, the greatest example is like car commercials, because like you can take two cars, you know, you could take like a low end Mercedes and you could take like a high end Toy- Toyota and maybe they have really comparable features, right? Like maybe they have similar gas mileage. Maybe their, you know, their top speed is very similar. Um, and the Mercedes costs way, way more than the Toyota, Why is that? Because people want to feel like those people they see in the commercial, the the rich guy, the rich woman who gets in her Mercedes and she's very stylish and her hair is blowing back in the wind and, you know, she's wearing Chanel jewelry. They want to feel like her. (laughs) It's all about telling that story, the story of how That person wants to feel it's very powerful. And of course, when you have images, it's even more powerful.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine those are planned out to the finest detail of what to show and what exactly takes place and what we want the audience to see. Everything you said before about what's the context, consider the impact, the, what type of people are you looking to really, it's about influence, right? Isn't that what storytelling is about?
1: It is all about influence. Exactly. And that's why I end up having to give presentations both on thought leadership, which is just influencing, and storytelling because they go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Now, what makes what makes this industry that you're in right now, which is technology, what makes that and keeps it fresh and exciting for you?
1: Well, for me, and again, I'm different than a lot of people because um, I'm not a technologist. I am a science writer. Um, In my position, I'm helping people from all over the company tell their stories. So like, I have a new story to tell every single day. And they're from all different angles, even the same story from different angles, like you can tell the story about one product, but you can tell it from the angle of the person who's building it. You could tell it from the angle of the person who's selling it. You can tell it from the angle of someone who's buying it. So depending on the perspective of the writer and the audience, it's a brand new story. But for me, because again, I have the attention span of a gnat, this is a great job for me because new stories come in every single day. And I try to publish several blogs a week. Um, so it's always a brand new story. I could think of some very good ones that came just this week, matter
0: of fact. (laughs) I bet you could. I really like this idea of helping other people tell their story because I, I think that's what we're doing when we're having things like call for papers at tech conferences and VMUG events and other different community things, whether it's tech community or other Submit your abstract. That's your chance to tell that story and say that I've done this thing. I had this experience. You're doing it for yourself, of course, to get your story out. But the people that you're going to be able to help by telling that story is something you probably won't ever be able to measure. Uh, My encouragement to folks who haven't done any kind of sharing of information, whether in blog or giving a talk at a at a small user group conference whatever it is that 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 really helps other people who are going through the same thing
1: yeah although i would also as counterpoint, say that the very best way to measure the effectiveness of the story you're telling is through analytics and that's a whole other side that we haven't talked about but like how do i know if the blogs are working that i'm that I'm publishing, how do I know which is going to work best from a length perspective or from a point of view perspective? I have analytics that show me. How can I tell if I'm influencing people on Twitter? Well, I can look at the number of followers, right? How do I know if my podcast is succeeding? Well, it's not always just the number of people who's listening. It's how long are they listening and at what point in the broadcast do they drop off? Because I have learned a whole lot about that. From looking at where people abandon the episode. So I would argue that like there's always a metric by which to measure your success. Except maybe verbally because people will lie to you. Like right now if I said Nick how's this going? It's going I'm great. i guessing you wouldn't go this sucks girl. Exactly. I can't really measure that metric. <laughs> but if you were to write a blog and I helped you publish it. I could tell you how many people read it.
0: I'll be interested to know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I try not to focus too much on the metrics of of stuff that I write, you know, on my own personal blog and whatnot and, and even the podcast because I know that you can't you can't focus on it too much, it'll drive you crazy or it will drive me crazy. So I just try to make good stuff if at all possible.
1: See, I'm obsessed with metrics and I just drive everyone else crazy. <laughs> With the metrics,
0: well, we all need somebody like that. No, but the the metrics are important. I mean, KPIs for your specific role, and every every job is going to have what those are. So you certainly you certainly need to be able to measure success
1: somehow. Yeah, but you could write the best book in the world, and if there's no audience for it and no one buys it, I promise you that publisher is never going to ask you to write another book. Fact. Yeah. You know, I mean. Everything, like you say, everything, there are key performance indicators for everything. If you're selling a product, sales are that key performance indicator. If you want to sell your writing, you better be speaking to people and they better be able to hear you. So I guess I'm pretty obsessed with analytics. But then again, it's I really like my job and I want to keep it. So... They come at me all the time. How are the blog readers going? (laughs) What are they reading? What are the topics that they're reading? You know, so I got to have the answers. Well, and,
0: and if you're doing videos, like streaming of videos, webcasts, webinars... Whatever it is, to get content out there, there's the, did people, was it something people had to sign up for? Did they attend live? Did they watch the recording? How do we track all those things? It's it's funny because you mentioned you could have the best book in the world, but if no one reads it or knows about it, I remember reading High Performance Habits by Brendan Bouchard. And he talked about how he had this idea for a book, but it didn't go well, and he wanted to write a New York Times bestseller. So he went and asked all these people, you know, what are the four or five top things that you have to do to get on that list? And they told him what they did, and a lot of it was getting the message out that you're writing a book, just as you said.
1: It's marketing. And that's what the publishers want to know, too. And that is like a story for a whole other podcast. Because if you want to be a writer, you're going to hustle every single day of your career. And you're going to be selling your writing every single day of your career. Like when you're a freelance magazine writer, you spend half your time getting the gigs and very little time writing the stories. You got to run around going, okay, I want to write a story about heart disease. And it's like, well, what about heart disease? Well, there's this dude in New York, and he's just come up with this cool new thing called, you, you know, like you, the, and and every story has a particular audience. It's, it's a lot of sales, and it's a lot of pitching. Pitching yourself, pitching your story, pitching why you're the right person to tell that story. That's another one. So yeah, you're right. And you got to also pitch to the publisher how they can sell it. <laughs> it's hard, man. Don't yeah. be a writer. Here's
0: what's in it for me. And here's what's in it for you.
1: Right. There you go. Exactly. Let's figure it out.
0: Well, listen, we're getting close to time here. I don't, don't want to keep you too long, but we it's been a really good conversation. I learned a lot. But I'm just curious, do you have any closing thoughts from a from that career lens for people who might be listening? Words of wisdom about better storytelling, writing, other career tips that you might provide others that you've learned from your experience?
1: Yes. I, w- I there are a few things. And I mean, where I really like to start with is um, always be true to yourself. Like you asked me, when did I know I wanted to be a storyteller? And it's really like the minute I could read a story. And and my parents really tried to dissuade me from being a writer. Um, that was a bad idea. They should have guided me into finding out a way to be a writer that could have a decent career. So start by being true to yourself. Second, do your homework all the time. Never forget that if you want it, there is someone else who wants it too. Do your homework and be ready to work very, very, very hard. Being a writer is hard and it's not glamorous. But if you keep at it, it can be the most satisfying career in the entire world. Truly. Like I would not choose... I, I would write toilet paper packages rather than do anything else for a living. And if I did, I would make them cool toilet paper packages and they would be funny and interesting. So you be true to yourself, do your homework, work really hard. And if you don't love it, go do something else because life's too short. This has super fun. Thank you.
0: I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much.
1: Me too. People never ask me to talk about myself, so it's awesome.
0: If people do start to write things and and want feedback, is it okay for them to ask a peer, ask a mentor? What's your advice there?
1: Sure. You can ask me. Like, Feel free to, um, you know, I'm happy to have people contact me for advice. I can't promise I'll read everyone's drafts, but... I love to mentor people and if you really want to be a writer, then I would love to talk to you because I absolutely love what I do and um, I want to share it with everyone. I'm happy to point people in the right direction. Yes, mentors are very, very important, especially in the field that you want to write in. Yeah, LinkedIn's good as long as you're not trying to sell me something.
0: Totally understand. Well, that's where we'll leave it. Thank you so much rihanna for joining us and sharing your words of wisdom for the community
1: sounds good go tell your stories people and have a really great rest of your day night morning whatever it is for you
0: In the digital world, there is no specific editor that you have to push your content through who's going to try and tweak it accordingly in a way that you might not like. You get to be your own editor. Of course, I think this should probably go along with the general advice of scrub your configuration, screenshots, don't share proprietary information, and don't be a jerk. Brianna tells us one more time to make sure we're looking at the competition. Because other people who are posting their writing online are competing for people's attention. And good writers have to be faster, stronger, and better than everyone else. And that content needs an audience. So you want to make sure and tailor it to your audience. And even though looking at the analytics too much can probably drive you crazy, they are a way to measure the effectiveness of your content. Are people reading it, looking at it, listening to it? It may just be that you're posting at the wrong time of day or something like that. I like her advice about telling someone a story about your career instead of walking through the resume. Something that evokes emotion and helps the person cement an image in their mind of something you've done, something you've accomplished, an experience you've been through that makes you uniquely qualified for the job in question. Hopefully we're practicing those as we prepare for interviews, putting a few of those together mentally. It's probably a little bit harder to come up with those on the spot if you're not ready for it. As Brianna mentioned, writers have to consistently hustle and sell their writing daily. Now, I am not a professional writer, but this reminds me a lot of what David Klee said about getting into consulting and having to interview for his job daily with customers that he was trying to help. Every time you write something, think of it as a potential interviewer could read this. Every time you publish a YouTube video podcast, it could be something that someone who's looking to hire you may find, and hopefully it's good quality content. We want to do our best there for sure. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore for my buddy John White at VJourneyman, signing off.